0: Just to piggyback off of uh, what was said about the old hymns, if uh, if you like Philip and like me and like many people, if you just have a special place in your heart, you love the new stuff, but some of that old stuff holds a special place in your heart. You can look forward to this summer on Wednesday nights. We're going to be doing a series uh, that's entitled uh, "Then Sings My Soul." And the idea of this series, uh, which was uh, created by uh, Robert Morgan, uh, if you've ever read any of his works, he's the one who wrote the book uh, Red Sea Rules and has done some great studies. But uh, the idea of it is that each week, uh, I don't know however long, how many Wednesdays we have to do this, but 7, 8, whatever, 9, Sunday, I mean this summer, uh, we'll look at one of the old films, we'll look at the story behind it, what happened to that that caused him or her to create this, inspired this song. And then we'll look at the scripture behind each of those hymns. And so as we understand more uh, how God's word is woven into the word of man who was inspired to write, then we are. Uh, something's this is not working? Okay. Y'all hear me? Hear me? Okay. Well, I'll stay close to this just in case. All right. But anyway, this Sunday, we're, I mean, that summer, we're going to be looking at those on Wednesday nights. And so uh, it is a, going to be a special time to look forward to. This morning, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 25, 26, excuse me, Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to be uh, begin reading uh, in verse 26. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you that this is part of our series. This is really kind of the, the end part as we have looked at the last days of Jesus, things that were right up, events that happened into his, in his life uh, right up to the very end and um, right before he was taken for questioning and trial and then crucifixion. Now some of you are probably wondering, uh, did goofy old Pastor Tim forget about communion? That would normally be a very valid thought, but today... Uh, we are going to purposefully put it after the service because uh, our our scripture passage and our message really has to do uh, with the Lord's Supper. So if you would please stand with me now as we read Matthew chapter 26 and beginning in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and Lord, this morning, uh, God, we just ask that you would bring this old, old story to us in a fresh new way. Help us to see how important, not only what Jesus did for us on the cross, but how important it is for us to partake in that and to experience the renewal that comes from Christ as we partake of the Lord's Supper. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, I shared with you that when we first got to the church, um, my kids were trying to to get a, a grasp on this new church that we were going to. You know, they're young kids, and and, and Bersheba is kind of a, a big name, a different name. Uh, but Caleb, I think he was about sixth grade at the time or so, and, and and he just really found great humor in this name. He would say, we're going to Beersheba. <laughs> 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 he just was so amused by that. Had, we, we talked about it all the time. Well, he got it, honestly, because I am very easily amused. So when, when I see places that, that stick out or that different to me, I just have to chuckle. I can't help it. I remember when I was in college, uh, one of my friends told me that she was from the town of So-So. And I said, "'So-So?' Why not name it Mediocre or Halfway, you know? So-so. <laughs> uh, also, when I was a youth minister, when I was in Newton County, there was kids that came from Newton. There was kids that came from different little communities. And then there was one, uh, the community of Chunky. And I just couldn't help but talk about those Chunky kids in my youth group. So, uh, by the way, we have a member of the Chunky community here. She's loud and proud. <laughs> so. Oh, well, you were close, but you know what Chunky is. Okay. So uh, those kids never thought it as funny as I did, though. I mean, just I just enjoyed that. Well, when I came here, uh, I think I probably thought the whole Beersheba thing was funny, too. But also, when I was driving down the road, one of the things that struck me when I was first getting to know the community is I was driving down New Hope Road, and I found, saw a sign that said, Old New Hope Road. And I thought, now make up your mind, is it old or is it new? What is this old, new hope road? Now, you pass it every day, you never think about it. And I know that, of course, that was part of the new hope road, then it got out of the new, a new part, and so that became the old part. But it's kind of funny when you think about the idea of old new. There's things in life that are both old and new, and what Jesus did for us on the cross and what he did for us in the Last Supper Is both old and new. And so this morning I want to briefly just walk through each of these verses and think about what Jesus did for us. In verse 26, it says this And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Now this is interesting. Did you ever notice that it said, As they were eating? As they were eating, not before they ate, but as they were eating. I mean, some of you are probably thinking, oh, well, I feel better now. Jesus is just like me. You know, we're through the appetizer. We're halfway through the meal. We've ate our salad. We forgot to pray. Let's stop right now. Lord, pray, bless this food that's already been digested. You know, and you're thinking, is that what Jesus did? Because it says, as they were eating. But that's not the case. You see, the, um, in the Passover meal, which is what this was, there was a blessing at the beginning of the meal, but there was also a special blessing said uh, before bread and a cup was taken. And everything in that meal had a special meaning. It wasn't just, well, I am just happened to be thirsty, so I'm sipping this right now. There were several cups in the Passover meal, and there was a specific time when they would be taken, a specific time when the bread would be taken. And so Jesus got to that special point at the end of the Passover meal And from what it sounds like, everything was kind of going by the old, normal way of doing things. But Jesus gets to this point, and he says something very different. He says to them that this body, this bread, is his body. Now, at that point in the Passover meal, they normally would have said this bread. Uh, and I'm kind of roughly paraphrasing here, they just said this bread represents our suffering uh, while we were in captivity. This bread represents what are the bread that our forefathers ate when they were in Egypt and they were slaves. And so Jesus here is saying, guess what? Instead of looking back to Moses As your deliverer, as God used him to bring you out of slavery to the Egyptian people. Now you are, when you partake of this meal, you are to look back to me. And you are to look to what I am about to do on the cross. And I will not just free you from external slavery, but I will do the greatest emancipation that's ever been made. I will free you from sin. And so that bread... Became uh, indicative, a representative of his body. And then in verse 27, it says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them all, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He took the cup. Now, this was the last of the four cups in the Passover meal. The Gospels don't really focus on all that other stuff. They just focus on the last cup because that's the one that we partake of in the Lord's Supper. But actually, if you read in the account of Luke, uh, Luke actually mentions two cups. He mentions the third cup and the fourth cup. So that's some interesting reading if you want to check that out where he left some of that detail from from the Passover meal in there. When we get to this last cup, he says, hey... And he gives it a completely new meaning. And he says, this is the blood of my covenant, of the new covenant. Now, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, they would have never thought of something like this on their own. Because to them, you remember, there were those laws and those things about blood and the idea of saying this cup represents blood. that, That would have just petrified them. But Jesus says, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. In the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, there was a new covenant uh, that was promised. God says, hey, here's the old covenant that I have made with you, and it's, it's signed, it's sealed, you all know about it. Moses went up and got the commandments and all that stuff. He said, but there's a new covenant coming. The new covenant is a new way of relating to God, a new agreement with God and man. And instead of it all being about all of these rules that are meant to point to you and realize, hey, I can never live up to them all, and so I need God. That is an important, uh, important thing for us to understand. We all need God. But he says in this new covenant... The focus will not be so much on those rules, but this focus on relationship with God. This way of relating to me will be one of looking at God as my friend. God, yes, as my father, yes, as my God and my master, but looking at him in terms of relationship. And so he tells them this is symbolizing this new covenant. And then he says this, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Or some translations will say forgiveness or other words that are similar to that. We need to camp out here for just a second to make sure we understand something. Sometimes people mistakenly say, uh, well, why did Jesus go to the cross? Oh, he did it as an example for us. Now, let me assure you that Jesus' death on the cross certainly was an example an example of obedience, an example of love, an example of sacrifice. But it was a secondary reason. The primary reason that God sent his son Jesus to the cross for you and I is so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And this is what is called the offense of the gospel. Paul says we don't want to try to offend anybody in any way that we don't have to. We want to be kind to people, we want to have good relationships with people. But there is a certain amount of offense to the gospel. Because the gospel says, hey, there's good news, you can be saved. But before you get to that good news, it says, hey, the bad news is you're a sinner. You are someone who has disobeyed God. You are someone who has not measured up to God's standards. You have turned astray from him. You have rebelled against him. That's the bad news that we have to believe and accept before we can take in the good news that he saved us. You see, why do we need a Savior if we're not sinners? If we're doing all right on our own, if we're just fine on our own, we don't need God. But the offense of the gospel, the message of the gospel is, guess what? You desperately need God because you're in a predicament. You're in a situation that you can't get yourself out of on your own. But God, in his great love for you, has offered a way that you can be redeemed from your sins. And so Jesus died Not just as an example, not just because he loves you. Ultimately, he died so that he might offer you the forgiveness of sins which you could never earn on your own. Reading on, he says this. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. The fruit of the vine there. Interesting, so we can do Welch's, or we can do wine, or however your particular church uh, chooses to celebrate. Uh, Fruit of the vine kind of leaves that open there. But it's interesting we know that Jesus later on, after the resurrection, he did eat, uh, and he, he drank water, and he ate. And that's important because that helps us to be reminded that in the resurrection, Uh, There will be eating and drinking. There will be banqueting. Uh, Amen. You know, this is not fasting for all of eternity. Uh, There's going to be some good stuff in heaven. But after the resurrection, we get a couple of stories about Jesus being with the disciples. And we know that he ate bread. And we know that he ate honey. And we know that he ate fish. We know he ate those three things. But you know what it never says in those verses? That he drank wine or that he drank juice. Because Jesus made a promise. He made a vow. He said, even as I'm going to ask you to drink this in remembrance of me and of celebrating our relationship, I'm waiting. I'm holding out. Some of you who are wine aficionados, you probably can't imagine. But Jesus, since this time passed, he said... I won't touch grape juice, I won't touch wine, because I am waiting for that day that we are reunited in the great banquet in heaven. And that day, I'm going to drink with you. That day, you and I will be together and we will celebrate from there into eternity. And Jesus is waiting right now. He's waiting for that day in which we are with him, when he will join in with us in that drink in heaven Finally, it says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there we know that Jesus would give some of his final teachings to the disciples. And there we know that, um, of course, he would eventually be betrayed. And the soldiers would come and get him. At this time, we're going to sing a hymn. Let us break bread together. And this is our time. In our normal time of invitation to discipleship, this is our time to prepare ourselves before we receive of the Lord's Supper. Take this time to make sure to examine yourself, and of course, if you have a public decision to make or if you need prayer, I'll be down here. But other than that, specifically in this time, focus on preparing yourself for taking the Lord's Supper. Now, that can be looking at anything that needs to be made right in your relationship with God. But, you know, when the Apostle Paul said, don't eat or drink uh, of this supper unworthily, the, ma- the biggest thing he focused on was your relationships with other people. He says, before you go to God and say, God, how much I love you and how close I want to be with you because you died on the cross, your body was broken, your blood was shed so that our relationship might be made whole. Paul says you need to make sure that as far as it's up to you, your relationships with other men, with other women, that they are made whole. And that you're not holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness, that you're not uh, deceiving someone, that you're not cheating someone, but you're making sure, God, as far as I know, uh, sins where I've um, done, I've confessed those, and I'm trying to be right with my fellow man. That is how we prepare ourselves Once we can say, hey, now I'm in communion or I'm attempting to be in good communion with my brothers and sisters in Christ, now I can commune with God as well. Would you stand together as we sing 776, let us break bread together.